This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Jessica was a seven-year-old girl who was so excited to be going on a plane flight, and even more so as she would be the pilot flying the plane. This is Apple for the Teacher, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Anna Thomas. Today's episode is called Fly Till I Die. Jessica was flying the plane across America. What happened? Lloyd and Lisa were a couple who lived with their three children in the rural town of Pescadero, just south of San Francisco in the US. It was a place where the residents enjoyed an independent, non-mainstream style of living. Each of their children had been born at home without a doctor in attendance, and they were also vegetarians. Lisa described herself as a spiritual healer and didn't believe in Western medicine or traditional schooling. They also didn't believe in children's books or toys. The children never enrolled at school, with their parents believing children should be given the freedom to learn by experimentation rather than by sitting in a classroom. Despite not having a formal education, the children had been described as being bright, well-behaved, responsible, friendly and polite. Their daughter Jessica had been taught how to sew and also played the trumpet, piano and guitar. Her brother Joshua was taught carpentry skills. A family friend said they didn't have the typical toys like Barbie dolls and race cars. They had tools like hammers and saws. The philosophy they were coming from was learned from experience. This is a family with tremendous courage and marched to the beat of their own drum. But the family were not out of place in the small town where they lived. As one resident said, we're all here to live out of the rat race. Lloyd had gone to Florida State University and studied engineering, but never graduated. He had had a desire to join the Air Force, but was too tall to pilot a plane. A work colleague described him as follows. Lloyd was a big thinker, an entrepreneur. Sometimes his ideas worked out, sometimes they didn't. He was always looking for an opportunity to make money. However, the couple eventually separated, but Lloyd continued to live nearby and still saw the children regularly. Then, when Jessica was six years old, her parents enrolled her in flying lessons with an instructor named Joe Reed, who gave lessons from an airport nearby. She was the youngest student he had ever taught. Lloyd talks here about how Jessica came to take flying lessons. Lloyd, whose idea was was this whole thing? Well, Jess, when Jess was uh, six years old on her sixth birthday, Oh, excuse me, honey, I got to put my uh, When I asked her what she wanted to do for her birthday, she said she wanted to go out to the Palo Alto Airport and watch planes take off and land. And uh, while we were there, we met a gentleman who had just landed and was putting his plane away and offered to give us a ride for a half hour for 30 bucks, which sounded like a great birthday present for me. And uh, Jess, I was in the back seat, Jess was in the right front seat. And uh, <clears throat> as soon as we were airborne, he let her take the controls. And uh, 
I could see in just a minute she had the feel of the airplane. She was doing banks and turns, no acrobatics or anything. And when she came down, it took her two weeks to stop grinning. And I, I asked her if she'd like to take uh, flying lessons at some point in the future. She said, yes, yeah, she would really enjoy that. Um, when she, uh, uh, we didn't do much about that for almost a year. And then six months or so ago, she started taking lessons. So she had been taking lessons for about four months and her parents noted just how much she loved flying. And that's when her father had an ambitious idea. He suggested that Jessica try to attempt a long-haul flight, but not just any long-haul flight. He came up with a plan for her to fly across the length of America from the West Coast to the East Coast. She was going to attempt to be the youngest person to attempt such a flight. In the years prior, other young pilots had attempted the same feat, with an eight-year-old boy being the youngest to successfully make the flight. So, at seven years old, Jessica would be aiming to break that record. Lloyd talks here about how he came up with the idea. And it, it occurred to me a couple of months ago, Jess had been taking lessons for two or three months, that gosh, she could do that. She was coming along well enough. And I, and I asked her if that's something she would like to do. I said, I would, I would sponsor it. I'd fund it if she wanted to. And she said, yeah, she'd really like to do that. Jessica's flight instructor, Joe Reed, agreed to go on the flight. And they decided to call their record-breaking flight Sea to Shining Sea. Custom-made caps and T-shirts were made with the logo. And they took these with them on the plane to distribute as souvenirs at the stops they would make on the trip. The plane they would be flying in was a Cessna 177B Cardinal, which had four seats and a single engine propeller. It had dual flight controls in the front. Jessica would be sitting in the front left seat with Joe on the right and her father in the back. So Joe and Lloyd mapped out the itinerary for the trip. The flight would start at the airport at Half Moon Bay in California, where Jessica had been taking her lessons. It would include 51 hours of flying over eight days with no rest days. Each day would involve scheduled stops for refueling and then overnight stays. The flight path would take them from the west coast of the US and travelling in an easterly direction to reach the east coast at Massachusetts. The states covered would be in this order. Nevada, Wyoming, Nebraska, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and then finally Massachusetts on the East Coast, where Jessica's mother, Lisa, and her brother and sister would be waiting for them. After reaching the East Coast, they would begin the return flight back to California. First, they would head south along the eastern coastline through the states of Maryland, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. Then they would head west along the southernmost states of Alabama, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and then arriving back to their starting point at Half Moon Bay in California. The itinerary had been provided to the media in each town where they would be stopping and they would be doing interviews along the route. On the morning of the departure, Jessica and her father gave an interview at the airport with the TV show Good Morning America and other media outlets. Here is Jessica and Joe, the pilot, speaking. 
How do you feel about this trip? Big, uh, big trip. How do you feel about this? Good. You've been looking forward to this, huh? Mm -hmm. really? Yeah. It's so, exciting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me, why do you want to make this trip? Why do you want to fly across country? So I can break the record. Why is that important? Yeah. I want to be the youngest. What about being a girl? Is that important too? I don't know. <laughs> is this something that you want to do for a living? Uh, yeah. What is it about, I, this may be a little bit repetitive, but what is it about flying that really excites you? Um, it's, I so enjoy flying and I just also enjoy flying. But she's real, she's real uh, dedicated to flying and she's real concentrated toward, uh, uh, to that aspect, so I, you know, of, of her life and, and, uh, so that's what's, I think, special about her. Is it surprising to see that she's so young and she's taken to this, um... Well, you know, I thought so at first. I've been asked that question before, but, uh, you know, when you really think about it, uh, a lot of uh, people her age are, are interested in flight and in aviation and stuff like that. So, um, I think uh, she's the only one that I know of that's been given the opportunity, and, and uh, I think if more people were given the opportunity, more people would be doing it. You wouldn't turn down this opportunity for anything oh, in the world, no, would you? Oh, no, this is great. I'm looking forward to this trip. Do you want to meet the president, too? Oh, I don't know about that, but yeah, <laughs> sure, I'd love to. Yeah, because that seems to be one of her dreams. Yes. Uh -huh. Is this one of your dreams, too? Because you'll also be in the record books if, if she makes it. Well, yeah, I, I enjoy, as I was mentioned before, I really enjoy uh, flying to places I've never been before. So. Bye. 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 Good luck. Bye. interviews finished, they said their final goodbyes to their family and friends, and there were hugs all around. The assembled crowd were waving and cheering and holding up signs that said, good luck, Jessica. The four-seater Cessna took off on the morning of the 10th of April, 1996. It landed three hours later in Nebraska for refueling, and after another three hours flying, they arrived in Wyoming. After arriving in Cheyenne, Jessica and Lloyd gave another interview, and she was asked what she thinks about when she's in the air, and she said, Well, you got to think about not crashing or doing any mistakes like that. Do you ever think about, um, does that scare you? No. You seem pretty fearless. Yeah. What do you think about, um, your dad's pretty special guy, isn't he? Yeah. Are you excited about your next, um, leg of your trip? Yeah. What do you want to do throughout this whole thing? Do you want to break a record? Yeah, I want to break the record. Do you think you're going to do it? Yeah. What made you What made you want to start flying? Um, on my sixth birthday, um, my mom said, do you want to go down to the uh, airport and see the small planes? And um, so we went down, the pilot said, well, they can both co-pilot an airplane. So we went up and did it for half an hour and came back down and said, we want to fly. Do you ever get scared up there? No. 
Welcome to Cheyenne. Thank you. She's only been flying for four months. Four or five months. How yeah. good is she? She's really quite good. She's got a long way to go. She handles the plane very smoothly. She thinks ahead. Uh, very early when I saw her taking lessons, there was no question she was in charge of the aircraft. She wasn't uh, stuck up about it. She wasn't, uh, I, I, you know, she wasn't uh, domineering, but she was the aircraft commander. The first few times I went up with her with her instructor, I was a little worried because I didn't see her commanding the sky. You know, and I, and I did not want to become a hood ornament on a 747. Now she's very present about what's going on in the sky. She's, you know, she's looking inside the plane, looking around, looking at the instruments. She's seven, her mind wanders. My mind wanders <laughs> at, at times. Uh, but, but all in all, she's really coming along as a pilot. A program director from a local Cheyenne radio station organized for them to be taken to a hotel for the night. On the way there, they discussed a storm that was predicted to arrive the following morning. But Joe and Lloyd were optimistic that it would be okay to fly. The next morning, they did a telephone interview with the program director of the local radio station, who they had been with the day before. And as the weather seemed to be turning for the worst, the interviewer invited them to stay in the town. However, Lloyd declined, saying that they wanted to beat the storm. By this time, it was raining. They made the final preparations for the next leg of the trip, which would take them to a place called Lincoln in Nebraska. Joe telephoned the flight service station to get a weather briefing and was informed of deteriorating weather coming in from the west with expected turbulence, icing, rain, fog and thunderstorms, which were forecast for several points along their flight route. As they would be heading east, Joe noted the conditions as follows. He said, it looks good out there from here. Looking east, looks like the sun shining as a matter of fact. It's raining here pretty good right now. I mean, it's steady, but nothing bad. And to the east, it looks real good. So the plane took off from the runway, heading in a northwesterly direction, and then did a gradual turn to head east. Witnesses then saw that the plane seemed to be at a low altitude, with low airspeed and wobbly wings. As it had been turning right to the east, it was seen to then rapidly descend to the ground in an almost vertical flight path. The plane impacted the ground about 4,000 feet north of the departure point and in a residential neighbourhood. Jessica, her father and Joe the pilot were killed on impact. The plane's crash site was at the bottom of a driveway on a street with many houses. So how it missed crashing into a house was a miracle. Soon after hearing about the crash, Jessica's mother gave this interview. I talked to Jess and Joe and Lloyd before the plane was started on the cellular phone. And, and Jess wanted to get going. She said, Mom, I, see, I hear rain. You hear the rain, Mom? You hear the rain? She's just as beautiful as she is, her free spirit. And uh, she said, I want, I want to go, Mom. I want to, I want to go. I want to start the engine. I said, OK. I said, have a great time. I love you, Jess. A full investigation was conducted into the crash, and it was concluded that the probable cause of the crash was the wrong decision to take off in bad weather. The plane was also found to be overweight, and it stalled 
due to the failure to maintain airspeed, the pilot in command inappropriately decided to take off under conditions that were too challenging for the trainee pilot and apparently even for him to handle safely. The desire to adhere to the overly ambitious itinerary also contributed to the crash. Initially, the plan had been to fly one way across the US, but they ended up doubling that distance by returning back to their starting point. A shrine was erected for Jessica about 50 metres away from the crash site and was decorated with flowers and stuffed animals. Lisa knelt in front of the shrine with Jessica's brother and sister. She said, have you seen a seven-year-old shine like that? She had room to be. She had room to have a life. Jess did what she enjoyed. She had a full, wonderful, wonderful, exquisite life. Lisa gave numerous interviews following the accident, and when asked how she felt about her daughter's death, she said, I don't feel I am in a state of being. I'm going to take what has happened and let myself be with it. The truth is, I want to hold her, and I will not take myself past that state. She defended her decision to allow Jessica to fly, saying she had a freedom which you can't get by holding her back. As can be expected, there were calls for regulatory restrictions on children flying planes, but Lisa implored the Federal Aviation Administration to allow young people to pursue their desires to fly. She said, there's a lot of great pilots out there of any age. To hold anyone back is to miss the message. And the chief of the FAA agreed with Lisa, stating that young people should be allowed to fly a plane if accompanied by a flight instructor who is in charge of the craft. He said, age is not an issue here because you can have a person who is 97 manipulating the controls as well as a very young person. So we hold the pilot in command, in this case, Mr. Reed, totally responsible. In the various interviews she gave after the crash, Lisa was quoted as saying that Jessica died in a state of joy. And when asked what she meant by this, she said, I know it's really off the wall to say your daughter died in a state of joy when she's nosediving into the ground. All I knew in that moment was that I had just talked to my daughter from the plane. I couldn't imagine the plane going down. I thought she was joyfully flying. I knew her father would have been holding her. There wouldn't have been time for fear. And here she is talking about when she first saw the crash on TV. I hadn't seen the crash yet. Later at my brother's house, I saw the crash on the TV. I went and I looked, and there was Jessica's leg, her brand new pair of sneakers, just in the flatness of the plane. Lisa also talked about how Jessica was destined to fly, saying, There is a mastery there, something beautiful there. People who knew Jess saw the fit. It was a natural, beautiful progression of things. This flight was truly for joy. It was some kind of goal to go for. There was no hype about it. Jessica so enjoyed flying. She has such an ease about flying. You could see it in her whole body. Cameramen were also taken by Jess after flying with her. She didn't know hype. We didn't have a TV. Cameras didn't mean anything to her. The media was just so taken by Jess. Her presence was very powerful. Jessica's funeral was held at her own home. 
Her coffin was white and decorated with gold angels and mourners placed roses on her casket. There was folk music playing throughout the ceremony. Her mother addressed the crowd, describing seeing her daughter at the funeral parlour. She said, she was so beautiful, even with everything that had happened to her body. I touched her, I kissed her, I held her. Jessica's nine-year-old brother, Joshua, had also been taking flying lessons and it had been planned for him to fly over the funeral service in a plane with his flight instructor. But it was raining that day, so the idea was abandoned. Joshua said he wanted to be a helicopter pilot. After the service, the coffin was placed by Jessica's window, which overlooked a cow pasture. Her mother said, the same cows that she saw from her bedroom window, she'll see from her grave. Well, I will anyway. Her casket was left by the window for some days, before it was then loaded into a pickup truck and taken to its final destination, a graveyard on the side of a hill. Her brother was dressed as a cowboy and rode on a cart that was pulled by Jessica's pony named Strawberry. At the gravesite, Jessica's mother spoke to the crowd, defending her decision to allow Jessica to fly, and when she found out about her death, she said, I felt an open peace inside of my body. So before the crash, the media latched onto the story, which you can't blame them for, or should we? The coverage had everyone caught up in this feel-good, inspirational story, but was anyone actually asking the difficult questions of should this young girl go on such a trip? Sadly, after the crash, it was then that the criticisms began, but by then it was too late. The same media, who had only days before celebrated this gorgeous, inspiring young girl, suddenly changed their tune, questioning and then heavily criticising the parents. Lisa was called a pushy stage mother, and one headline said, Twisted Mother, Brainwashed Child Pilot. Their alternative lifestyle came under attack, and they were called New Age Wackos. Many questioned just who were these people, who seemingly drove their seven-year-old daughter to her death. The media sought to find people who knew the couple and found out that Lloyd had started his working life selling life insurance, and he was good at it. He had been the youngest person to make his company a million dollars in sales. He was described as a charismatic salesperson, and people loved him. He always had grand plans to make it big and amass a fortune and tried pursuing a number of different ventures. Many believed in his grand schemes to the point of calling him a genius. As one friend said, Thomas Edison had crazy ideas too. However, many of his ideas ended in debt, bankruptcy and lawsuits. But while the crash gave light to his limitations, Lloyd's friends remained devoted to the man of boundless aspirations. One said, I think he was always trying to live up to what great potential means he wanted to achieve. He was at the height of his powers at the time of his death. Had he lived, he may have made the cover of time for something he did with his brain. Only in his death did he get the recognition he may have deserved otherwise. The way that the record-breaking flight was reported to the media made it sound as though this seven-year-old girl would be flying the plane, and no doubt many people believed this. 
Such was the hype. But at best, Joe was telling her which buttons to press, etc. The plane had dual controls, so really the pilot was in total control. She had flown a total of 29 flights before the record attempt, clocking up 33 hours of flying time. So that's enough to qualify her to fly a plane? Of course not. The reality was that to be eligible for a student pilot certificate, a person must be 16 years of age. And to be eligible for a private pilot certificate, a person must be at least 17 years of age. So Jessica was not technically the pilot. At best, she was just a passenger who was allowed to manipulate the controls. But it came as a surprise to me that someone as young as her could even take flying lessons. But apparently any person of any age could take flying lessons as long as there was a licensed pilot on board and they were allowed to operate the controls under the pilot's discretion. Due to the media hype, people thought she would enter the Guinness Book of World Records, but the truth was that they had stopped this type of record of children aiming to be the youngest to do something. Just the year before her flight, an eight-year-old boy had broken the record for the youngest person to fly across America, and this is where her father got the idea from, and they wanted Jessica to break the record before her eighth birthday which was just in a month's time. The Guinness Book of World Records stopped acknowledging this category some seven years earlier, so Jessica's attempt would never be recognised officially in any record book. A spokesperson from Guinness explains here why they stopped this category. He said, first, we'd get a request from an 11-year-old, then a 10-year-old, then a 9-year-old. A parent would call us, or a flying school. Parents tell us that we are stopping kids from fulfilling their ambitions. They ask, how can you not recognise these kids when you are recognising ball juggling, rope jumping, all those things? As a result of the accident, a new law was passed called the Child Pilot Safety Act, which prohibits anyone who does not hold at least a private pilot certificate and a current medical certificate from manipulating the controls of an aircraft if that individual is attempting to set a record or engage in an aeronautical competition or aeronautical feat. So, as the certificate and license have a minimum age of 16 and 17 respectively, the new law thus prohibits other child pilots from attempting what Jessica did. As was to be expected, the tragedy sparked a lot of reaction around the world. So here are some people with their opinions about what happened. After hearing them, think about where you stand. One person said, In the beginning, it may have been the father's idea for Jessica to make the cross-country trip at the age of seven, but she loved to fly. Whether she made the flight for the world record or simply for the love of flying, the choice was ultimately left up to her. Society is always looking for an answer to every tragedy, but it should take into consideration that this little girl set and accomplished goals for herself that 80-year-olds probably have not. I hope those who point their finger at others take a good look into their own lives. They may then realise that life is short and there are no guarantees of how long we'll be on the earth. 
we should do the things that bring us joy and happiness. And here is another. What a heroic indictment of child exploitation. Young Jessica had absolutely no freedom of choice regarding her right to life, liberty, or the pursuit of a normal education. Most of her teachings came from her self-appointed guru, mum, Lisa Hathaway, who, in a supposed quest to give her daughter freedom, imbued Jessica with Hathaway's own airhead philosophy. No wonder the kid wanted to fly. It makes no sense for Hathaway to call a nosedive to the ground a state of joy. And now here is Lloyd's brother with his viewpoint. I was shocked and dismayed by the report on the death of my niece Jessica, my brother Lloyd, and Jessica's pilot and instructor Joe Reed to suggest that Lloyd, for any reason, would have purposely exposed Jessica to anything dangerous or life threatening is ridiculous. Remember, a licensed pilot was responsible for flying the plane the entire time and for making safety decisions. I knew Lloyd for almost 50 years. He was a warm, tender, loving, caring man. Lloyd and Jessica's flight was not a publicity stunt. The idea for this father-daughter adventure came about long before the news media became involved. And another person said, For all of their modern philosophy and new age thinking, Jessica's parents lacked one simple crucial ingredient, common sense. Surely no dream is worth dying for at the age of seven. Children must be protected until they learn safety and self-preservation. As a paediatrician in emergency service, I have seen many childhood deaths, but this one really broke my heart. It was cruel to get to know Jessica through the media before her devastating accident. Her death was so palpable, so public, so preventable. A living docudrama most of us wish we had never seen. Jessica's upbringing probably desensitized her to many risks, but she is the innocent bystander in this case. And here is some final audio of her mother speaking. And apologies for the bad quality of this audio. Clearly, I would be the first to not want my child or Lloyd or Joe to die in that plane. I mean, there's no question about it. And yet... Some folks out there, that doesn't compute for them. The only way that that could be true is that you're in denial. They're watching almost like they watch a circus performer. I say that if I am in denial, you take my blood, my pulse right now, or you do any test you want to do and check my heartbeat. When I, if I was in any reaction called denial, it would show up and my soul would show up and my speaking, it would show up as a God. I have had a level of peace since this has happened, and I know there's only one way to get peace. You tell the truth. The truth is, is that Jess and Joe and Lloyd had the best of intentions, loved each other, and they died. Period. That's how come I'm at peace. 
I don't make it mean all the stories that people mean. I feed with what the truth is. I checked in the moment it happened, and there was this vast, deep level of peace inside of me that has not left me for a second. And yes, the tears come. The tears come when it's more than I choose to be with. The tears come, and then I go back into a peaceful, quiet place. So... The truth does set you free. Would you, would you describe that as a physical process, or is it a, how would you describe the process it's, of fear? It's a soul, spiritual process that I have reworked my language and my presence so that I'm no longer a thinking, emotional person, so that I've translated my vocabulary and my presence into a being language and a being presence and that's what's valuable for me i would never have thought that i could have gone through my daughter's death and her dad that beautiful man and that beautiful man your beautiful dad i never would have thought that my that i could be with that so where do you stand in this debate here are my thoughts the pilot was ultimately responsible for the decision to continue despite the weather. Yes, the father could have overrided and pulled the plug, but we know enough about the father to know that this was never going to happen. And I think the pilot was just caught up in the whole scheme and it was just too late to back out, although he certainly could have. The father was quoted as saying, I didn't think anybody would be interested really. This started off as a father-daughter adventure. It's gotten wonderfully out of hand, and we didn't go into this thinking about the book deal or the movie deal or any of that nonsense. Well, I'm sorry, but I really can't believe this at all. He knew exactly what he was doing. As we saw, he was always looking for money-making schemes, so it just crushes me that he used his own daughter in this way. So, as can be expected, their parenting style came under criticism. For me, parents have the right to bring up their children any way they see fit. There is no law against homeschooling, having home births, not watching TV or being vegetarian. But all of that aside, the whole scheme was just so irresponsible. And Jessica herself had said during an interview, I'm going to fly till I die, hence the name that I gave to this episode, which, as we saw, was just so prophetic. I have watched video footage of them just as they were leaving and it was just so heartbreaking. She hugged her mother and her brother and sister, but as you're watching it, you know what's going to happen and it was just so, so sad. And of course, you can find Jessica on the Find a Grave website. Her name is spelt Dubroff, D-U-B-R-O-F-F. And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote which is an interesting one to ponder in the context of this story. There are two things we should give our children. One is roots and the other is wings. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.